Thank you for listening to this podcast brought to you by Baylife Church Port Stevens. We hope you find this message challenges and inspires you in your daily Christian walk. For more information, visit www.baylifechurch.org.au. Series on Simplify. Um, had about four parts to this, and uh, and just the reason, if you haven't been around and and you wonder what this is all about, it's about it's based in the idea that in our lives, um, if we're serious about following Jesus, very often we have to cut away things that would distract us or take us away from God's purpose in our life. We need to simplify our lives to what Jesus said. And what he modeled for us in his life. So there's so many things competing for our attention, our time, our focus, our resources, our energy. Uh, And sometimes we just have to stop and pause and regroup and think about, well, God, what would you want? What's the thing you want me to do? And uh, once you've made that decision to follow Jesus, you know, what does that mean for me? What does that mean for my family? What does that mean for our church? What does it mean for, you know, for our community, I guess, in our world? And, and we've been talking about love being the foundation of all that. Now, as soon as I say that, I know many of you go, oh, love, it's so, ugh. you know, it's just airy-fairy, you know, and I love this and I love that, and we all love coffee and we love this. And it's like, no, no, God is love. We can love because he first loved us. There is some real meat and edge to this idea. And so don't turn off, guys, just, just because I've said the word love. Love again. No, no, come on. This, this, this is serious stuff. This is actually the core message of the gospel. And it's not airy-fairy, and it's not droopy. It's, it's actually really what Jesus came to do. And it's not a cliche, and it, and it sounds a little simplistic, I guess. But the truth is, God so loved the world that he sent his one and only son, to this earth to die for us, for you and me, so we can have eternal life. He gave his life for you and me out of love, out of the foundation of love. And when Jesus was asked by the the lawyer, the the Pharisee lawyer, you know, well, what's the greatest commandment? Trying to catch him out, trying to work, go, well, what's he going to say? He's going to say something wrong. You know, 613 laws, and I know them all, and he's going to say something wrong. And Jesus responded with this, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. And the second is like it, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. That's out of Matthew 22. And it's that vertical love of God helps us in the the, the process of, of course, loving ourselves, but also that that horizontal love to other people around us. As that vertical love informs and empowers that that horizontal love love for other people in our world. And without that, that is very limited. You know, we've got a natural sense of what we can do and love people. But man, when we've got God in our lives, when we've got that love of God in our lives, when we love the Lord with all our heart and all our mind and all our soul, then we can really, really love ourselves. But also, that helps us once we love ourselves to love our neighbor as ourselves. And, 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 you know, that was really what we've been talking about in this series. You know, so often you, you meet people that aren't are pretty harsh with other people. And I've come to realize 
very often they don't love themselves. They may even be Christians. They've got that love of God and they get that you're supposed to love other people. But they don't get that revelation that God loves you and me. And because they don't love themselves, they're quite harsh with other people. Whether it's insecurity, inadequacy, self-esteem issues. And they're really harsh with people. And you go, man, you made a decision to follow Jesus. You can't treat people like that. You just can't. And it's very often they haven't got that full revelation of Jesus' love for them. And so it's a really significant thing, this, this passage. It's not just a throwaway line. It's not just a cliche, you know. And, and the truth is, in our own strength, none of us can really fully love anyone else. We're limited. We're imperfect. We're human. We just, we, we, we can give that much, but God's love is unconditional. It's agape love. It's that much. It's like, it's beyond our, our understanding even. And with that love in our lives, with that vertical love of God in our lives, that informs our, the love for others. Now, there's a great scripture in, in Galatians 5.22. It talks about the indwelling Holy Spirit that works to produce fruit in us. And the fruit of the Spirit, the first one of those is love. And to be truthful, the other nine, or the other eight, are informed by that first one. You know, love and joy and peace and patience and kindness, goodness and gentleness and faithfulness and self-control. They're all informed by the love of God, that love that is a, a fruit of the Spirit in our lives. And, and, and once we get that understanding of that love, we then can be kind to people. For goodness sake, people, let, let's, let's be kind to other people. Let's be nice to other people. Not nice is not a good word, but you know what I'm saying? When you're, when you're at the, 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 the supermarket checkout, be kind to that person. They don't want to be there probably. They're just checking up their hours, just getting through the job. Be kind to them. Love on them. Kindness is a fruit of the Spirit. In the car park, you know, the same deal. Give up that car park for that person, even though they don't deserve it. They don't, you know, like you got there first. It's still, you're right. Give it up. Give up your right. Be kind to that person. They won't have a clue what's going on. They go, wow, that guy's weird, you know? And that's okay. It's good to be weird. I'm telling you, it's so good to be weird. We don't conform to the pattern of this world. We're transformed by the renewing of our minds based on God's love for us, God's word, his spirit dwelling in us. In ourselves, we've got nothing to offer. I'm telling you, in God, he gives us so much. We can operate on a whole new level. We can operate outside the, the, the realm of normal. We can operate in that weird zone, you know, that crazy zone. The, the, I don't know about you, but I want to be weird. I don't want to be normal. I don't want people to look at me and go, well, he's just normal. No, I don't want to be normal. I want to be, be faithful to what God's called me to. And I'll tell you what, that's not normal. It'll take us stepping out of our normalness to do that. Hmm. Fruit of the Spirit. And here's the truth about the fruit of the Spirit. It's not produced by trying hard. It's not like, it's not like 
I know I gave this example one other time and I won't do it again about constipation, but it's not like that at all. It's not like working harder and... and um, <laughs> you knew where I was going there, didn't you? Uh, uh, or, or, you know, trying to be nice to the person who's irritating and hard to get along with. I've got to try hard. I've got to work hard. I've got to do... It's more like the sap of a branch. The sap running through the branch produces the fruit. The branch doesn't produce the fruit. The sap running through the branch produces the fruit. And it's like the spirit within us produces that fruit in our lives. In the same way the Holy Spirit flows through us, producing God's love in us and working through us so we can love him in a way that he wants to be loved, but then he enables us to love others in a way that he wants us to love others. It's that agape love, that unconditional love. It's the reason we can forgive someone that's wronged us. It's his unconditional agape love. It's a reason that we can serve someone who doesn't deserve to be served by us. That's the reason we do it, agape love. And, and the truth is this, that the love of God is like a river flowing into us, you know, a vertical love flowing into us. And the, and the point is, if it gets dammed up within us, the inflow will eventually stop. But here's what I've also recognized. When water sits still for a long period of time, the things that dwell within it die. It's never meant to stop within us. It's meant to flow through us to others around our world. It's meant, and as it, as it flows through, through us, it actually even produces more life, more fruit, more uh, things that God would want in our lives. It's never meant to be dammed up and stopped within us. You know? We, we talked about making disciples another morning. And the foundation of making disciples, going to all the nations to make disciples, is the foundation of love. It's not control. It's not trying to make people do something we don't, that they don't want to do. It's actually love and making disciples. And the other morning we talked about serving people. And that's got to be out of a foundation of love. We can only truly serve someone when we actually have that love for them and have this, this desire of what God would want in our lives and in their lives, and as we serve them, we start to outwork them. And this morning, I want to circle back around to loving our neighbor. And I just think it's so important. Loving others, loving our dad. What, what does that mean? You know, our mission statement is this, to reach and positively influence our community world by building a significant church that loves God, loves people, loves life. Loves God, loves people, loves life. And those three loves, get three fingers up if I can, three loves are interconnected, interrelated, depend on each other, I believe. You know, we can't love people fully without first loving God. And we can't love God fully with actually fully loving people. And we can't love our lives or, or the, the lives we live the way Jesus would want us to do that without loving people around us. Loving him and laying it down in servanthood and, and, and surrender and, and laying down all the things of this world in humility to actually really serve him and serve people in our world. And we get so frustrated and distracted and discouraged and all the things by this world. And, and we operate very often just the way the world does. Like we come to church on Sunday morning and we go, holy, 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 you, God. Oh, yes, Lord. Oh, getting the feeling here, getting the, the hairs on the back of my neck are starting to stand up. 
Then we go and live like the world the other six days. And it's not the way of Jesus. It's not what he would want for your life. It's, it's not what he would want you, the way he'd want you to operate. He wants you to live in that love the whole, all the days of your life, to love your neighbor as yourself, to, to, to love others, to, to, out of that love that God has already given you. We have to really understand to be a full-time follower of Jesus. We need to love people every step of, the, of our journey. We don't just put on a mask for, for church. We don't just put on a happy face and, and, and you know, give everyone a high five. No, no. It's like the transformation that happens within us as we interact with God in, in worship, in praise, in prayer, in, in all those places. And that can be in church, but not necessarily. But it's actually out of that well, out of that river, then we can fully love people the way that they, that Jesus would want us to love them, that they deserve to be loved. Well, no, they don't even deserve it. They don't deserve it. They truly actually don't deserve it. But he wants it. He, he, here's, some, here's some quotes, just some random quotes. Some of these might upset you, but, but that's okay. That's what I do. Uh, and uh, um, it might help you get some perspective and insight. Let me put on my glasses. If you can't feed 100 people, and feed just one, Mother Teresa. How wonderful it is that nobody need wait a single moment before starting to improve the world, and Frank. Nobody, nobody can do everything, but everyone can do something. Thousands of candles can be lighted from a single candle, and the life of a candle will not be shortened. Happiness never decreases by being shared. Buddha. Never heard Buddha preached in church before, but there you go. The greatest good you can do for another is not just to share your riches, but to reveal to him his own. Benjamin Disraeli. Abilities wither under criticism. They blossom under encouragement. Dale Carnegie. And this one, the core of Christianity. The, the core message of Christianity is a message of love, redemption, salvation, and hope. It's the message of the person of Jesus Christ. He walked this earth 2,000 years ago. A Christian is a follower of Christ. This means believing in Jesus, entrusting your whole life to him, and following him in every area of your life. Martin, whatever his name is. You know, to be a fully functioning disciple of Jesus, we need to follow him in every area of our lives. You know, our heart has a basic need, and it's this, that we desire to be loved and to love. Each one of us has a basic desire within us to love others and to be loved. But as a, the world, as the, as the world does its things, it hardens our heart, we, we start to build walls, we start to get affected by things and, and, and the baggage of, of that human way. We begin to build up walls around our heart. And, and we do that to protect ourselves. I get that. I understand that. But I'm telling you, it'll never end well. Because while we've got those brick walls around our heart, number one, we can't really love people properly that way. And people can't love us. And worst of all, God can't love us well because we've got the brick wall around our heart. And, and what we've got to work out is, well, if, if Jesus is who he says he is, if he's done all that for me, and our deepest desire is, is to love and be loved, how can I break that wall down? How can I let Jesus do that? You see, 
Jesus lived his life defined by radical acts of kindness and love for all kinds of people. The sick, the poor, his mother, his father, the apostles, the passerbyers on the street who recognized him. He just loved them deeply and purely and sincerely and fully. He loved her with everything he had. Even though many of them persecuted him. Even though many of them beat him. Even though many of them wanted him crucified and did murder him in the end. Even though that was done to him and he knew it was coming, this is what he said on the cross. Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. I don't know if you can get the full impact of that here this morning. Yeah, do, do I love my enemies, those who persecute me? Probably not. Yeah, really. Yeah, do I love because I'm called to love, or just I love the ones that just love me? It's probably right. You know, do, do I have that same core conviction of Jesus in, in loving people, no matter if they wrong me or they're, they're right by me? It doesn't matter. We've got to love them in the way God loves us. We've got to let that love run go through us. And if you've been building a brick wall around your heart, you've been protecting yourself from hurt and pain, I, I get it. I, I've been there. I, I remember there's a season in church where I, I was just reeling. I, I just I couldn't take it. It just felt like there was one thing after another after another, and I just started to say, well, I'm not going to let them hurt me anymore. I'm just going to build some walls. And, and, and I, I stayed there for a little while, can I tell you. It wasn't helpful to me wasn't helpful to my wife, wasn't helpful to my family, definitely wasn't helpful to the church. Until I realized what I'd done, I'd, I'd actually isolated myself, I'd actually pulled back and I protected my heart. But guess what? My love wasn't flowing anywhere. I was just going through the action, just the, just going through the actions of it. And God doesn't want that for you. He doesn't want that for me. I've got to work out how to knock that brick wall down around our heart it's worth it you know is your fear of getting hurt greater than your desire for god's love you've got to get that right in your heart and go it's worth it it's worth the risk anyway whoa here's what i'll finish with hmm this might be quite quick, guys. So hang on to your seat. Put on your seatbelt because I'm going to go hard to get through this. Who is your neighbor? Your neighbor is everybody, right? Everybody. We're going to look at what the Bible says that. You know, we've got the Good Samaritan story as an example, a great example of that. How do we really love them? You know, here's the thing I want to say to you. Who is our neighbor? It's everyone. But the Bible particularly points to people from other nations, different cultures, different looking, different colored skin, different beliefs, different gods, even different sexual orientations. He says to love them, love them exactly as they are. Jesus tells us to go to all the nations. Now that means go to all people groups. Whatever group of people there is, go to that people group. Don't hold back in fear. Don't, don't, he, he will empower you and equip you to do that. You know? Our neighbour is orphans. You know, it's the orphans. It's the foster kids. It's I love the way our, our church is fostering so many kids. You know that the, the families are doing that. 
you know, it's the fatherless, it's the widows. You know, James 1.27, this is the Passion Version. True spirituality is that, that is pure in the eyes of our Father God is to make a difference in the lives of the orphans and widows in their troubles and refuse to be corrupted by the world's values. It's the orphans, it's the widows, it's the fatherless. It's the poor, it's the people in poverty. You know, people from a different socioeconomic group, people that look different to you, people that probably smell different to you, people that are different to you in every way, people from other countries, yes, from third world countries, yes, uh, people from our own community, yes, people in our nation, yes, yes, all people, people in poverty. We're called to do that. The next door neighbor who, who may not have nice hygiene habits, but, but we're meant to love them. You know, and, and give me, I'll give some scriptures on this. Matthew 25, 40. Whatever you did for me, this is Jesus speaking, whatever you did for the one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. I didn't see you there, Jesus. Yeah, I know. I know. I know. And 1 John 3, verses 17 and 18. If anyone has material possessions and sees a brother or sister in need, there's no pity on them. How can the love of God be in that person? Dear children, let us not love with words or speech, but with actions and in truth. And it's going to take some boldness. It's going to take some risk. It's going to take stepping out of your safety zone to do this. It's going to be uncomfortable probably. But church, it's what we're called to do. We've got the love of the creator of the universe. He loves us with everything he has. And it's out of that well, out of that river, we need and have to love others. As the church, as Christians, as people who love God, we've got to display that God in our community, in our world, in a way that makes sense to them. You know, what is poverty? Poverty is just a lack of something material, right? But there's also this poverty mindset. There's also a poverty in our spirituality in our world. And, and, and we need to address that in people, you know. And this is what Jesus quoted about himself from the, from the prophet of Isaiah. In Luke 4, verses 18 19, the Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the cap- prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. You see, I want you to notice there's something here. It's Jesus Christ saves, not us. Jesus Christ rescues people, not us. Jesus Christ empowers people, not us. What are we called to do? We're meant to serve, not save others. We're meant to serve people and let God do what he wants to do in our serving as we love on them, as we, we get alongside them. You know, we, we just, just like the Good Samaritan story, you know. And we need to relate with people, not rescue people. You see, sometimes we have this wrong mentality. You know, oh, I'm the good Christian. I'm going to go and rescue these people and, you know, on a white horse and with a big shield and a big spear and I'm going to look really good. I'm going to do my hair before I go, make sure I look good in the mirror. And, and it's like, get over yourself. It's not about you. Your, your eternity's already sealed. Come on, let's loosen up on this and start to reach this community in the way that it needs to be reached, to serve this community, to love on this community the way we need to love on them. It's not about us. It's about the need in our community because they're going to hell. This is about eternity. And, and I don't know what you believe about that, but man, it drives me. It gets me on those nights and you go, man, are we doing enough? I don't know if we're doing enough. Anyway, this last point I want to get to because it's, 
I thought it was going to be my main point, but it's going to be a minor point now, but I hope it's got major impact on you. What would you say is one of the greatest poverties in our Western world? What would you think would be one of our, the greatest poverties in our life in this Western world? Loneliness. Loneliness. We feel alone. We feel unconnected in a time when it's, we've got supposedly the most connection. We've got hundreds, if not thousands, of friends via social media. And yet how can it be that we can feel lonely? How can that possibly be? It just doesn't make any sense at all. And there's a, a term social scientists called relational poverty or even emotional poverty. It's loneliness, you know? And it's based not in love but in comparison. It, it, it's based in, in this need for attention and, and to make me feel like I'm okay, like me, like me. And, and the problem is we, we post something, we're so distracted and we spent hours checking out everyone else's posts and then we post something and no one likes it. You feel more lonely as a consequence of that. Why haven't people liked my photo? I thought it was nice. I thought it was good. Oh, come on, someone like it, please. And we get all out of shape and we get more lonely because of that. Social media is such a poverty, I think. You know, and so here's some social research that said why um, uh, this is so prevalent in our culture. The first one is breakdown of families. You know, the family unit's been broken down. And if you've been through a, a divorce, you know it can be messy, constrained strain friendships, families, relationships, even church connections. And the pressure of being a single mum or dad, uh, at the same time the kids, the work pressure, you know, providing for our kids as a sole parent is tough. Increased mobility, you know, and these days we're much more mobile than we used to be. Yeah, the, the contract for work will be for X amount of time. So we're here for that at a time, then we move on to this place, we're there for that bit of time, we're there for that at a time. And, and we don't make deep, constant relationships because of that. And, and, and we make superficial relationships, but they're not the ones we need in the tough times. In the old days, people, families would just move someone, stay there for the rest of their lives. You know, they'd, they'd be known and they'd know people. And, uh, and here's, here's the way we operate. We don't even bother to find out our neighbour's name because they're probably just going to move on. We use it as an excuse. Goodness, what have we come to? You know, that's not the way Christians operate, you know. Another, another thought was heavy workloads. You know, work is longer and harder and it requires more of us to keep up, more requirements, more legislation, more needs, more companies need profit. And, and, and when we finally do get home, we drive in down the garage, we open the door, we flick the car in, flip, put the door down and go, I'm home. Now I can watch Netflix and we'll go on social media. Really? And we do the same the next day and the next day and the next day. And the rise of social media, I've already talked about that, but uh, there's, there's nothing real on social media. Don't you realise that it's a flash second image of one part, tiny, tiny part of someone's life and they're gonna, if they're going to put it up, they're going to try and put the best thing to impress you in there they, they're going to try and impress you in this process and it's not real and, and and comparison only makes us feel more lonely you know the, the comparison thing and and and, we, and when we're not known when we're not recognized when we're not valued makes us feel more lonely anyway i'm going to give you three points in two minutes so uh you ready
One way to, to, to address this. How do we love the lonely? We love with touch. We love with touch. And Jesus did this with a man with leprosy and, and in Matthew 8. And we don't come across leprosy much, but let me tell you how horrible this disease is. Our skin gets infected and gets pussy and starts to peel off. They get 10 years to live, apparently, once they get diagnosed. The facial features change. They change to look more like an animal than a person. The voice goes. It gets distorted and horrible. The flesh actually starts to rot. The nerves die. And they say that because the nerves die, often we lose fingers and limbs and stuff because you don't feel anything. And the limbs can even start, the flesh starts to rot and, and fall off. And here's this Matthew 8, 2. A man with leprosy came and knelt before Jesus and said, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me heal. So that's a faith statement. That's not a question. That's not asking, can you make me well? He's going, you, how's it go? You can make me well. That's a faith statement, very different to, can you make me well? You can make me well. And Jesus responds this, he reached out his hand and touched the man. This is God. He reached out his hand and touched the man. This, this man with leprosy, with all those horrible things I just talked about. He reached out his hand and touched the man. I am willing, he said, be clean. Immediately he, cleansed. he was cleansed of his leprosy. See, God touched this man, physically touched this man. And there was a need for that because he could have just said, you're well could have verbally said it. There was a reason why he touched this man. This man was unclean. He hadn't been touched for a long time. And for a purpose, he touched this man to demonstrate something for us. You see, church, our people in our community don't know they need physical touch, but they do. And I know this is going to sound a little weird in some ways. It needs to be appropriate touch, of course. But we need to hug people. We need to give handshakes. We need to put our hand around the shoulder. We need to Physically affirm them, touch them, you know. I, I, I used to get a little out of shape about this. I love physical touch and it was just like, I don't know who to hug and who to kiss and who not to. And I, it's just like, it just gets weird sometimes. And you heard some, a, a poor preacher that got, uh, someone took him to court because he gave him a hug and a kiss that they didn't want a hug and a kiss. It's just like, ah, oh, this is hard, God. I don't know how to do this anymore. And so I tried to read body language now. I tried to work out, like cringing or they stepping in. It's like, you, you try to do that. But, but, you know, but sometimes you don't get it right. So I apologize. If I've hugged you at some stage, you didn't want to be hugged, I'm sorry. But guess what? I'm going to continue hugging you. I am. I, I just, I've just put that aside because I'm going to tell you why. And I may not get to the other two points here this morning, but anyway. I remember at Macquarie Church, I was new to ministry, didn't really know very much. And I started to question all these things. Do I hug people? Do I not? Do, oh, is it appropriate? And anyway, this, this, this quite mature woman, she was, she'd lost her husband. Her family didn't live near. And I remember every Sunday she'd come and, and seek me out and get a hug. And I thought, wow. After, I, after a while, because I'm not too smart, and, and sometimes it takes me a while to work things out, I realised this is probably the only physical contact she has in her life. She was lonely. Even in church, we can be lonely. Even at work, we can be lonely. In our lives, we can be lonely. We don't feel like anyone's with us, for us. And I just made a decision then, 
I'm just going to risk it. I'm just going to hug people, even if they don't know me that well. I'm just going to give them a hug, or at least a handshake, or at least put my hand on their shoulder, or at least acknowledge them physically somehow. Because people are lonely, and they just sometimes need the touch, the physical touch in their life. They may not have that. And church, we need to be that sort of church that's prepared to risk. Don't be weird about it. Don't be like you know, appropriately and and respectfully and and all those things. But think about it. Some people just need a hug. Some people just need a hug. Hmm. The other two thoughts were love by listening. We need to be better listeners, you know, and love with our time. Our time is the most valuable thing. And and love is spelled T-I-M-E. In most people's language, time. Give people your time. Give your people your listening. Give, give, ask people questions. You know, ask people questions about how their life's going. Where are you up to? Now, how are you really going? How, how's that operating? Listen, 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 and give them the time and the space to love them, to love the lonely, to love the people that, that need the love of Jesus in their lives. Can I pray for you this morning? Father, I thank you, Lord. There's so much clarity in the Word of God for us on this, God, and and that you you want us to love you, Father, with all our heart, with all our mind, with all our soul. But to love our neighbours as we love ourselves, to love those people in our world, around us, in our community, in our neighbourhoods, in our area that we live, God, that we intersect our lives with, sport, school, uni, work, whatever that looks like, God. I pray, God, you give us that supernatural love, that agape love, that unconditional love in our hearts that won't be diminished just because they don't accept it or they don't deserve it or or, or they don't respond well, God. We give it because we are followers of Jesus Christ. God, I pray that rises up in our hearts to be more astute at this, more discerning, more wisdom, to to realize that people sometimes need a physical touch. Sometimes they need a spiritual touch, and and that's good, but sometimes they need just a physical touch. You're okay. It's all right. You're you're good. It's it's good. I'm with you. God, I pray here this morning you ignite something in our souls, in our spirits, to go out of these doors and and knock down the walls of this church, God, to, to, to reach this community, God. Knock down the walls of our heart, God, to reach this community, God. Let us be followers of Jesus in the way you meant us to be followers of Jesus, Lord. And, and, and one other prayer, just really quickly. Father, I pray here this morning for those that maybe don't know you. Maybe you've made a, a decision to follow Jesus somewhere in your life. And for some reason, you got distracted and you got lost and discouraged. And here's an opportunity to come back to God here this morning. Here's an opportunity to get your life right with Jesus this morning. And if that's you here this morning, forget there's anyone else in this room. Just, just, just forget it. You, it's you and God right now. He's talking to you right now. You know he is. Your heart is racing almost. And he wants you to step over the line. He wants to make that difference in your life. He wants to open the floodgates to you, to his love in your life, so you can start to open up to those around you.
But it's for all eternity. This isn't just a one-off decision that makes no difference. This is for eternity. It's an eternal decision. And here this morning, I, I don't want to rush too much because I know we're running late, but God is real and he wants you in his life. He wants you to be a follower of his. And it's just one decision, one decision to follow Jesus will make all the difference in your life. And if that's you here this morning, I want to give you that opportunity. His eyes are closed, heads are bowed. If that's you, you know something's in your heart now. Just stick your hands straight up in the air, right where you are. Right where you are. Just stick it up, straight up in the air, and so I can see it. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Father, we thank you. The salvation is, is just one decision away, God. We can follow you with all our hearts, that there's a celebration in heaven every time one person makes a decision to follow Jesus. We give you all honor and glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, come on, let's give God a great big... Thanks for listening to the message today brought to you by Baylife Church. We hope the message leaves you feeling challenged and inspired to live out your Christian walk. Please tune in again for next week's message.